Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B growth podcast. I'm Alex Hipwell. Each episode, we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what's behind their failures. Let's dive right into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode. I'm Shane Hoda with X-Growth, and today I'm talking to David Gottlieb, Director of Advertising for APAC at Microsoft, about how COVID has changed our behavior when it comes to using search engines, what are the trends that have emerged, and what does all of this mean for marketers? David has an amazing background and his experience working at eBay, and now Microsoft has taken him across the globe from Sydney to Dublin to Vancouver to Seattle to San Jose, and now back in Sydney. I mean, you name a major hub and he's been there and worked there. And now he's leading the team delivering Microsoft advertising monetization strategy, marketing and insights in APAC. David, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much, Shaheen. This is fantastic. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure having you. Let's start high level, okay? Let's go and start high level. What are some of the immediate changes that you and, and the team at, at Microsoft saw in the early days of the pandemic when it came to uh, search engine and, and you know what people were searching and how people were interacting with the uh, with the beast with the engine? Yeah, sure. Now, that's a great question. I I'll probably key off one word that you said there, which was team. For me, and for um, the team that I work with, and the you know the the direct group, we really were focused on the importance of how we were going to work and how we were going to work to empower others every day. And, and so that meant that we really had to dial in on the importance of staying connected, the importance of the changes that we all had to make and how to, what we had to adapt in terms of uh, how we worked every day. And you know, for that, it meant that we had to keep it kind of organic. You couldn't get too stale in terms of any one approach in terms of staying connected and um, you know, making sure that things like well-being just became part of the normal conversation that we had, making sure that I was modeling certain behaviors like how do I step away at the appropriate time and not get consumed being in front of a, a computer all day uh, and then all night and, uh, and, and kind of manage that balance and, and show that to the team. So definitely, um, you know, when, when the pandemic hit, uh, there was definitely that focus on the team first and foremost um, so that we could do our work our best work for our clients and our, our partners, um, both internally and externally um, within within uh, the Microsoft advertising family. And so then, yeah, maybe going a little bit broader than that to the consumer trends that we saw, you know, obviously Microsoft advertising is the advertising platform that enables clients and brands to reach Bing. And we also power a, 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 few, a couple of other um, search engines like Ecosure and Yahoo. And for us, what we really saw was just how important search is to a lot of people. And so the consumer trends, actually, we saw a shift in the way that people were searching, an increase in terms of the number of desktop searches. And for, for us at Microsoft Advertising, you know, where a lot of users are using Windows 10 computers on their PCs, that's a, that's a great thing in terms of sort of seeing the, the increase in terms of desktop searches. But it also meant that people were, you know, less mobile. They weren't doing their, you know, searches on their phones during their commute, that sort of stuff. And so we really did what we could to kind of understand the types of things that people were searching for while there was, uh, with it, as there's been that increase in terms of desktop searching. And some of those, maybe if I just go to the third part, then the the changes in terms of what people were searching for, 
you know, we really saw things like online groceries. I mean, if you think about what you were searching for right at the start of the pandemic, um, it toilet was papers. That was me. Toilet papers. I was the guy at the calls. We definitely saw an increase in terms of searches for toilet papers. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the the online grocery um, searches were were up quite a bit, as well as delivery services in general, food delivery services, and you know it kind of went through different waves or cycles through the through the um, the pandemic as, as people kind of went through their own personal hierarchy of needs, and so you know once people had their food in place, then they were focused on their work from home situation. So we saw a lot of queries around, you know, broadband service providers or definitely the work from home questions. And then underpinning all of this was a a huge increase in terms of news and information that people were looking for about COVID. And Bing actually responded by creating a a Bing tracker that was launched and really went through kind of like a, a very agile approach in terms of the way that it was adapting to feed in more information from trusted sources and help people understand, you know, where um, where cases were being uh, located and how infection prevention could occur, as well as just surfacing uh, different different sort of information around hotspots, uh, that sort of stuff. And it still is a work in progress today in terms of providing people with information that they care about reading. Yeah, it's fascinating the changes that we saw in, in such a short period of time. But you know, compared to those early days of, of COVID, how does today compare? Like, what is what are you seeing today in terms of like user behavior on uh, with with search and in their queries? Yeah, we we see a, a kind of a, a process of where it's gone from responding, so kind of the uh, toilet paper query, <laughs> to people kind of getting to a place of rebounding. So adapting to a new way of doing things, you know, kind of like that rebound or reimagine phase is, is sort of where we think we are, where we're at now and what we're seeing in terms of searches. And I, it, it's, it's interesting to sort of see or to contrast maybe travel. Travel is down, obviously, in terms of global travel. Uh, none of us are traveling, but definitely local, local searches, opportunities to travel within a state, things like that are, are seeing sort of a strong increase as well as retail, e-commerce has just massively accelerated during this time. And we really do see that COVID brought about a, a kind of a, an e-commerce um, or brought really e-commerce to the forefront for many Australians. And, you know, I was looking at, uh, I was listening rather, and looking at some of the, the work that the team had put together for a webinar that they ran on retail. And there was some industry data there about just how you know, the searching, uh, search behavior, as well as online trends had changed. And, you know, just to quote some numbers here that 73% of Australians are now shopping online as, as to before. 86% of Australians are increasing the frequency of their online shopping and avoiding going in store. And 50% of people are buying, for, are buying products that they never bought online previously. And I think that, you know, Australia had a long way to go pre-COVID in terms of its online or e-commerce um, environment, it was really pretty nascent and it really just has been brought to the forefront, as I said, for for a lot of Australians. And I think that that's a trend that we saw or we're seeing and I think we'll continue to see. That is so cool that, you know, I I always, not complain, but, you know, I, I compared some of the delivery capabilities in some of the other countries in Europe and in US and, you know, how quickly you could potentially get something from an online shopping and I feel like that has become a forefront focus now here in Australia. And, uh, and we're going to see more and more of it. 
you know, of getting faster and faster delivery. So uh, I am looking forward to that. I am looking forward to that. Well, I think I think that you see, you know, certain retailers promoting things like pick up or click and collect. And I think that's got a really strong value proposition as well, where it cuts out time in the day, but it also allows people to go out. Or if people are indeed starting commuting again or anything like that, it just means that they're able to get time back in their day. You know, I think that that's, it's really interesting to watch the the whole kind of acceptance and then, you know, people just valuing their time differently. And I think that that will be a big, big driver. And one thing I, I didn't mention was the um, the push towards with working from home around skills and education. We really saw, you know, with the broader Microsoft family, including LinkedIn, very much a push towards what people could do in terms of increasing their skills, online learning, that sort of stuff. And I think that that's a that's an ongoing interest that we'll probably see as as online learning becomes more and more the norm or people are, again, comfortable with it as it's gone through a bit of a disruption that we'll see people kind of comfortable using platforms like LinkedIn Learning to increase their skills and, and knowledge beyond perhaps how they approached or indeed just things like remote working or working from home, how they, how they do that in the most efficient way possible. That is so cool. And, you know, I, I, I had this question for myself of, of what is, how is education going to change? I know there are a certain number of thought leaders that some of them we both might know, like, like, Prof, like Scott Galloway that have very strong opinions of, of how things change. But so like, what, can you give any more details on like, what are some of the shifts that you're seeing in the educational space from, uh, from professionals and people who want to get trained? Yeah, Microsoft and LinkedIn uh, released an entire skilling initiative and it's easy enough to search on if you open up Bing and type, you know, Microsoft skills initiative. What it really highlighted was there were seven or eight, um, and I can't remember the exact number, seven or eight different industries that really were going to be rising to the forefront as we kind of go into this uh, reimagined world. Certainly things like digital advertising, understanding, you know, kind of the um, how we how we power things through the cloud, all the kind of technology, things that are at the forefront in terms of technology, those areas were really the, the, the most popular ones. But I think there's also a balance of that with doing it in a way that you understand empathy and how people work together in an environment where we are not necessarily seeing each other on a day-to-day basis. And how, how you kind of manage through that is is kind of the the really important stuff. And I think that that's, they're the things that um, through the skilling initiative sort of showing that there's value, um, not just in the technical, but also that that personal aspect. And then more broadly, you know, things that can be done around education around areas like inclusivity um, and some of the social injustice issues that we've seen through the last six to 12 months are indeed much longer in reality and, and really opening up people to the notion of what their own circumstance might be in terms of privilege. And what that really means in terms of other people and how things like bias and other things are preventing us sometimes from seeing the situation that some people are in. Do you ever find yourself stuck with a B2B problem? Need a second opinion on your next campaign? Or looking for some feedback on that piece of MarTech you're thinking to purchase? Well, that's why we created the Growth Colony Slack channel. The Slack channel is like a small dinner party where you get to meet and mingle with B2B professionals, hear what others are doing and keep up to date with the latest B2B trends and news. You'll also get access to a range of exclusive content from our podcasts, webinars and events. The best thing about it, it's all free. 
If this sounds interesting, head over to growthcolony.org forward slash Slack and sign up. That's growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. What was one thing that that really surprised you when when you were looking at this, let's call it COVID data, right? And, and trends. Like, what was that one thing that you're like, huh, really? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Um, what, the one thing that it, it probably shouldn't have surprised me, but I thought it was very interesting was how consistent some of these trends were globally. You know, typically we do see a lot of we do see a lot of similarities in terms of the way that uh, people do search for things. But what we really were able to see um, in waves as we went into the into the pandemic period was really looking at markets, markets like uh, Italy, for example, that was kind of, if you can think all the way back to that time, they were sort of, you know, suffering first. And then a couple of weeks later, it was the US. And then we we sort of followed here in Australia a little bit after that. And we were able to sort of see these patterns emerge and take sort of some of the understanding and and really sort of under, like learnings and, and, and understand from that. So it was really, I would say it was more of the meta patterns that I found found interesting other than a specific, you know, rather than a specific sort of like search or query that people were doing. Um, I think it was just that, you know, we did see these waves across kind of the entire world of, of search trends and search behaviors. Unfolding, going through a sequence, it, it says, was there anything, or, or even right now, is there anything unique to Australia? Definitely the going back to the on, online shopping piece. I think that, that that's just, it's grown from a fairly small base. Mm. And so I think that's why we're really seeing that. And we think that this coming retail period that we're going to go into around um, the end of the, this current year, we'll, we'll sort of capture you know an, an online uh, shift in terms of behaviors from, from Australians shopping. You know, I think that certain certain things that stood out were, you know, some of the early education pieces for um, how people were going to help with their teaching from home. Ah, yes. And um, those sorts of things. Whether that was specific just to Australia, I don't really, probably not. But again, sort of some of those things that, you know, the coping mechanisms that people had from not just working from home, but educating children from home uh, and how to kind of manage best through that. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so, you know, I also want to kind of change gear a little bit here and, and talk about advertising. Yep. And, you know, first, maybe let's talk about what this means for PPC, really, um, and, and online advertising. Like, what do, you, what do you think? Do you think this is going to change online advertising in any way? I definitely, I think that, you know, this just the reduced mobility of, you know, and by that, I mean, People will spend less time in front of probably their uh, mobile devices if they're spending more time at home. I believe that will probably be one of the trends that we continue to see. I would say more broadly, we're we're focused on delivering value to marketers and making meaningful connections to people through uh, what I would say is three key pillars. And this is really how we think about the evolution of advertising. And those three key pillars are around trust, um, intelligence, and empowering and with each one of those trust, we think about privacy and how um, you have to start with a foundation of trust and helping people to keep connecting with brands, but doing it really in an uncompromised way when it comes to respect for, for privacy, brand safety, data security, those kind of aspects. And so we really see that as a pillar going forward for the industry. When I said intelligence is that second pillar, it's, it's no joke that we have a lot of data. And that, that amount of data is only increasing. And I think that 
you know, at Microsoft, we feel very um, well equipped in terms of being able to provide a, a complete sort of understanding about, you know, we have a huge investment in terms of cloud, massive investments in terms of AI and how to use utilize things like machine learning to process through that data, and then how to actually leverage that data as insights and turn those insights into actual marketing-based understanding so that brands, again, can really understand uh, in an intelligent way how to improve things like campaign performance um, and how to create you know, pers- more personalized experiences. Right. And then uh, that, that empowering thing is kind of bringing that together. So really just saying, how do we take, how do we as a platform really help um, marketers to achieve more? And, and do more with um, the time that they have available to them and help them to grow and to really either rebound their business during this period, but to, to hopefully reimagine it and hopefully grow beyond where they thought they were going to be originally as well. Yeah. And one of the initiatives that you're, you're working on on that note is the, is the Microsoft Audience Network. What, what is that? What is that all about? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Rusky, about that. We um, it it's really is uh, twofold in terms of the way that we're we're thinking about it. But at the, at the core of it, it's an AI powered audience solution. And so, what we really help people to do, or what we're really helping marketers to do, is to connect to the audiences that they want through native placements in brand safe environments. So allowing through the Microsoft Audience Network, allowing advertisers to reach that highly relevant audience using the Microsoft Advertising Graph. And so the Advertising Graph is really all the rich consumer understanding that we have through all of the Microsoft assets, Bing, uh, Microsoft News, Outlook, LinkedIn, and others, and really using those signals to help target in terms of uh, you know, a, a more productive way across the audience that the, the advertisers that advertisers or marketers are trying to reach. And when I said twofold, it's now available as an extension of search campaigns. So typically for, for advertisers that are running search campaigns today, they can extend into that audience network immediately. And then in the coming weeks, we'll actually release it as a standalone audience capability where you can target campaigns or specialized campaigns just in that audience um, network. Very impressive. Okay. Definitely, definitely something to uh, dig, dig deeper in and check out. David, tell me a little bit about voice. Like what is happening with voice? You know, there was a, I mean, you know, I, I loved the fact that you said, Hey, we're seeing a lot more activity in on desktop, right? A, not a contrarian view, but you know, or, 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 I mean, it's not a view, it's a fact. It's different than what everybody used to say before COVID, right? Mobile first platform and, you know, you got to take responsiveness and all that stuff. And I think all of that is, is still important. And I, and I like, but, but it's also really interesting how COVID is challenging the marketing manifesto that was out there. What about voice? What is, what is happening with voice? I definitely think voice is, um, is, is here. And I, I think about it more broadly, probably in terms of, you know, digital assistants and smart speakers are um, becoming ever more present. There is a lot of announcements about uh, new technologies in that in that area uh, all the time. And so it's not just limited perhaps to, to smartphones. I think it's, you know, definitely um, powering those digital assistants or even things like chatbots and taking on, you know, kind of the 
those going from maybe a more rudimentary thing to an evolved sort of like more engaging personality opportunity there as well, you know, kind of almost like a close friend, if you can think about it. So I think voice is definitely here. We we think about it, Microsoft thinks about it in terms of we are gathering, you know, a ton of information, ton of data points through Bing and then exposing through APIs ways that people are actually able to power some of those experiences. And we call those cognitive services. And so I think about, you know, the the world of technology and engagement through voice is just one of the ways that people can have that more natural uh, interaction than perhaps typing on a keyboard seems. And I think that it's it's vital. We, we certainly feel like, you know, in terms of accessibility, people that might have a disability and not able to use traditional methods of typing and entering, voice is fantastic. But we also see that it's not just limited to voice. I think that there's things like certainly visual search, and we have making huge investments in visual search. And today, if you want to go and search for an image, and I do actually do this all the time, um, you're actually able to copy and paste an image into the search engine and we'll search the web for that. And I think it's fantastic if you want to sort of see the source of a chart or if you want to, if you have an idea for something and you look for it and then you can see other things that appear like that, it's, it's, it's great. So we think that that disruption is, is definitely here. You know, voice-enabled de- devices, chatbots, digital assistants, and then um, the Internet of Things more broadly, it will definitely kind of pull all of these technologies together going forward. Yeah, I mean, I remember years ago, I got, uh, when Microsoft bought uh, Nokia, I got, uh, I think maybe a year or two after that, I got, I, got an, I got a Microsoft phone, right? And there were things that, that I liked and there were things that I didn't like, but I loved Cortana. Like when I moved to uh, Siri, I was like, this is dumb. Like Cortana was like way better and way smarter. But uh, now, you know, I... I wake up with uh, with Alexa, and uh, you know, uh, is she's she's right there with a lot of stuff that I, that I um, or it is right there. I guess is the right term for a lot of stuff that uh, that I need to get done. But have you seen any kind of like trends in the Australian market, or or that you know that that data is not conclusive right now? You know, have, have you have you seen any numbers around around voice or even image, image uh, visual search? Not not specific numbers, but I think that these are global trends that we're seeing an evolution of the way that people are interacting, um, interacting with devices and expectations of how they do interact with devices. And maybe back to your comment, I would say that all of this technology is just getting better and better and leaps and bounds. Um, you know, the more data that, that it has to work with, um, the more um, machine learning that happens and the more the AI system can grow on top of that. Just I think that we'll see, um, an, you know, ongoing evolution in terms of performance, um, no matter what the the service is. The interesting thing is uh, Cortana is still here because uh, Cortana is still with us. It's in it's in, integrated as part of Windows 10 um, and other experiences. I think uh, I think that it's available through, you know, certainly different, definitely Windows 10 and, and it's perhaps more of an enterprise focused uh, application now, but it definitely uh, tells me every week um, how I'm spending my time and gives me insights in terms of, you know, where I should be spending more time focusing and that sort of stuff. So it's fantastic technology. And I I think about things like, and it might be a little bit, you know, it's not so much on voice, but it's just this, this power that um, we have of using these technologies to just give us 
a better balance in life. And even um, the, you know, you use my analytics, which is built into, um, or the insights um, tab that's built into Outlook. And it helps you understand where you're spending your hours in a, in a week and actually then make suggestions like, hey, you might want some more time to actually focus on your work rather than spending time in meetings and click that button. And suddenly it made a bunch of time available for me over the coming months. And it was like an absolute, an absolute win in terms of being able to you know, manage that, manage the constant deluge of, of work as well. So I love that. I love that. Okay. Last question that I want to ask, and, and this is, uh, you know, th- this is, goes back to voice. Do you think, because, uh, you know, we're, we're fa- fairly passionate when it comes to B2B, right? And I'm, I'm curious how you see voice playing into in, in B2B space, because I personally feel like it has still compared to in the in the consumer space, it has a lot to go and there's little uptake in the B2B space for voice. But I, I also love to hear what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, I think we could probably grab a whiteboard and spend um, half an hour, an hour, three hours together, socially distanced, of course. Of course. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, kind of brainstorming what we could think of here, because I think that that's the beauty of it, that, you know, that it really comes down to the consumer's need, whether, you know, B2B or B2C, but at the end of the day, it's a person wanting to do something. And I think that there's so many different applications that just... For Microsoft, we see it as our opportunity to really help technology reach people no matter where they are and what thoughts they have and, and equip them with infrastructure to get to, to realize sort of a dream. I think that the opportunity is, you know, for, um, you know, more personalization and more opportunity for brands to, uh, for brands and also for, for B2B environments to, to kind of understand, you know, at the end of the day, there is somebody looking at something. So how do you help them? How do you do the application that works? So I would I would say it's more from my perspective. I, I probably don't have the answer, but hopefully it can help with the solution. Um, and Microsoft more broadly can help with that solution as well. Fantastic. Well, David, those are most of the pretty much all the questions that I wanted to ask. Do you, do you think there's something that uh, you, we should touch on that I didn't bring up? You know, it would be remiss of me not to encourage everybody to try out Microsoft advertising, um, to go to the website and have a look at that, of course. That's Um, it. But, um, you know, what I would really encourage everybody to do is have a look at the latest version of Edge. Edge just uh, was recently rebuilt this year using a new backend, and it it, it just, uh, it works perfectly. It's it's a great browser. And what I would say is that uh, this last week, we just had an announcement around um, Give With Bing. And Give With Bing is a is an extension that you can uh, put into the Edge browser, but it's also just through your uh, Microsoft Rewards account that you can set up as a, as a Bing searcher. And it means that if for every search you do, you can actually donate to a charity. And there's thousands of charities available, thousands of, uh, envir- uh, thousands of opportunities to give, give with Bing and to do it in a way that you know, you're leveraging an activity that you're doing already. So you might as well. That's, that's so cool. I mean, you know, I, I know Microsoft puts a lot of emphasis on, uh, uh, you know, s- social, uh, the, the social elements of, of business. And it's, it's so cool to see when businesses in general put, put their money where, where they, they claim that they're focusing on. That's, that's an awesome initiative. Well, um, David, thanks so much. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. And uh, thanks for jumping on the, uh, on the podcast. 
Yeah, I really appreciate it as well, Shane. Thank you very much. Hey, it's Alex again from X Growth. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It would really help get the word out to other B2B professionals. If you're hungry for more B2B content, make sure to join our Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack, where we share the latest B2B news tactics, tips, and chat about problems we're facing in the B2B space and find solutions together. That's growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you in the next episode.